This time is just an easy one. You can't play at that level without training, without the base behind you. We had one uh, after the, the uh, obviously the preseason, then you had to stop. And then, as I mentioned, but I said it in French, obviously, you find yourself in a situation where we were one of the last team to go back on the field because of phase one, phase two, phase three in Quebec. So we, we were behind the ball game straight away. And you saw that at the Orlando uh, tournament. We were not fresh at all. Welcome back. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. The Montreal Impact back in action tonight. That's the voice of head coach uh, Thierry Henry talking about all the injuries. We've got a pregame show with Olivier Brett and Grant Needham at 6 o'clock. And then we do have the Impact taking on Inter-Miami at 7. First time ever uh, that uh, Montreal takes on Inter-Miami in MLS. And joining us now to talk about that. And a whole lot more in the world of Montreal soccer. He's the Impact's assistant sporting director, Vasily Kremanzidis, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Vasily, what's up? How are you? Good morning, Joey. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, just wondering, did you want to thank me now or later? Uh, because yeah, we. Well, well, I'll start with that, Joey, so then we can get into the more important things. Yes. Yeah, you know? So I, I don't know if you're aware, but Amar Sadich was on the show last week, last Saturday, in this slot. And uh, yeah. since he's been on. He scored in back-to-back games, his first two goals in MLS. So I'm just wondering, do, like, do you want me to talk to Maxi or Rudy next week? Like, who do you want me to talk to next? I mean, why are you talking to me right now? Keep talking to some of the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, that's okay. Well, that's, I just, you know, I wanted to thank you. That's the only reason I want to have you on. Thanks for joining us, man. Have a good week. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, all right, look, uh, let's jump right into uh, the Safir tie there. That was the big story this week. The transfer. Um, why now, uh, when you guys are pushing for a playoff spot, and do you have any plans to add anybody else? I'd imagine because you traded the international roster spot uh, that tight air was occupying. I'd imagine that this is the squad we're going to see. Uh, but why now, and is there any move maybe within MLS that uh, that you guys are willing to make between now and the end of the season? Yeah. Well, look. First of all, you know, we want to thank Sophia for his time here in Montreal. Um, I know that. Olivier's done that already, and, and a lot of the stuff as well. But you know, we thank him for being here. You know, in terms of the actual move and the transaction, um, you know, he had the rest of this year left on his contract. And next year, we had the opportunity at this moment, and they don't always come by. Um, you know, and we decided to pursue it. For me, you know, said it. Uh, Safir is a player that um, you know he's put up a lot of numbers here. He's played many games, and it doesn't surprise me that there's been teams out there that have been looking at him and keeping their eyes on him. So you know, again, we had this opportunity. It doesn't always pop out. It might not be there at the end of the year. We had spoken with Safir, and uh, we all decided to move forward. So I look at it more as a long-term move, and, you know, it frees up money immediately. And I'm not going to get into too many details there, but it's not going unused um, on the cap. So I don't want to complicate things with that, but it's not going unused, the money that that it freed up. And, you know, of course, it frees up some money on the cap in 2021. So to come back to your other question, is there a plan to bring in somebody... You know, this year on the international level, I wouldn't think so. Um, been pretty difficult with visas and green cards and work permits and anything you can imagine with uh, COVID and the government offices being closed and that complicated process. But, you know, in the league, we're always looking. I'm not uh, ruling anything out, but I think this is the squad that you'll see for the rest of the season. So how do you feel about the squad? Like, this this is the one now minus tight air. You guys have a lot of injuries, like we heard Thierry Henry mention off the top. How do you feel about the squad's chances of making it? Uh, Ten teams getting into the playoffs in the East. Look, we're going to do our best possible. Um, you know, I like the squad that, that we have. 
as Celia had mentioned in the past, and we've mentioned, you know, the start-stop was difficult for us. Mm. Uh, being on the road the whole time and not being at home to see your family or even play games at Sapporo Stadium is difficult for us. So we're, we're confident in the guys. It's not an easy process. Um, we still got a handful of games left and against some important teams, including tonight. So we'll see what the what the guys can do and, you know, hopefully sneak into the playoffs. And, um, you know, we're in a playoff position right now, so that's the positive news. And uh, hopefully to stay there and then see what we can do once we make it into the playoffs. All right, just just between you and I now, nobody else, uh, the tight air transfer, like what did you guys get back for tight air? You know that, Joey. We're not going to discuss the... Uh, the amount that we uh, transferred to there for. Okay, I'll say numbers, and you cough if I've hit the right number, all right? Sounds good. Or I'll just be silent the whole You'll time. You'll just be silent the whole time. You're giving me the Mark Bergevin, I'm not going to talk about negotiations? You're giving me that? Oh, no, we've, talking, we've spoken about negotiations before. We're just not going to talk about the amount of money that we uh, received in the transfer. Okay, but you did get money. You did get we something. Did get money. Of course, I mean, we know that. Everybody knows that there was a transfer, there was uh, an amount that we received. Okay. okay. Why don't you guys want the numbers to come out? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. I think it's its positive, is it not? It's not a negative thing. So I think on, in, you know, on many different levels, it can always be turned into a negative thing. I mean, like, you know, they're leaving at this point in the season becomes a little bit difficult. I get that. And, you know, if we announce a number, then maybe why not more or why now? There's always different questions. So I think for this transaction, we kept it uh, silent. And, um, you know, I don't know what it's going to be moving forward, but for Tidera's transaction, we kept it at that. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri in conversation with Vasily Kremenzidis with John Still. John? Vasily, um, it's been a tough road for the last month and a half or so for your squad, but I mean, the, the realities of the situation, I don't believe that Thierry Henry has spoken about it again. I don't believe it's excuses. It's just the reality of this crazy, crazy year. How difficult has it been to gauge the quality uh, of the players on the team, uh, never mind just with injuries, but the condensed schedule, the playing in and out of the U.S., playing here in Canada. I mean, the, the nature of the season, how challenging has it been to really get a gauge on who certain members of the squad are and the squad as a whole are? Yeah, look, as Jerry mentioned, it's not easy, and I mentioned previously as well, it's not an easy season. Um, you know, it's not easy for a lot of people out there, not just in in the sporting world or in soccer. So it's been pretty difficult. You know, you could still see the quality of the players, who would be able to fit into your philosophy, who can fit into the system that we want to do. Um, I think that we've, you know, we've had games where we've performed well and didn't get the result that we wanted, and we've had games that we didn't perform uh, at the level that we wanted and got the result. So. You know, we're still able to evaluate the players and still able to build our squad going into next season. Um, we understand the difficult times that are going on, but uh, you know we still have our job to do, and we're going to try and do it as, as best as we can. So uh, this week, I, re- I think Olivier Renard mentioned that uh, Mustafa Kiza, the left back that you guys signed out of Uganda, is finally uh, going to be arriving in Montreal, or he arrived this week. Can you... Can you give us a timeline, maybe? Uh, first of all, tell us if he did arrive. And secondly, what's the timeline? Because I've done the calculations, and I think that you know, if you guys are comfortable with him having just a week of practice with the group, I think he can probably, I don't know, get in the last game or two of the season and then potentially the playoffs if you guys make it. Yeah, no, a small update on that. So, you know, your calculations are pretty accurate. Um, he arrived this week, and he's got to do a quarantine, of course, coming here to Montreal. 
He, you know, he couldn't go directly to the States because of visa issues, so we needed him to come here to Montreal after his quarantine. He'll be able to get his visa and join the team. So if you do a calculation, again, um, you know, 14 days probably brings you to the last couple of days of October. The team is already out in New Jersey. Um, at that point, he should be able to join the team for, you know, the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, you know, when we acquired the, the player in the summer, obviously loaned him back to his team so that, you know, maybe we, we were we were anticipating a situation with um, a longer visa process. So that's what we were doing with Kiza. But now, you know, at the moment that we purchased the international slot in September, the the expectation was for the player to show up, you know, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. After that, unfortunately, there was a lockdown in Uganda and that's out of our control. So, you know, we're, we're going to be happy he's here in Montreal. So that's the positive news right now. We're going to be happy once he joins the squad. Um, it'll be that 14-day period, like I said, and then a few more days. We're not saying he's going to play, but he should be available um, for selection. The good thing is he's a younger player. You know, he gets to come here, at least experience it for a couple months during the group. Um, you know, and then hopefully, be, like I said, hopefully be available for that last game and um, anything in the playoffs, and that will make us happy. Uh, for him to be here. He's Impact Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremanzidis joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. So uh, you said something I want to follow up on, uh, Vasily. You said that, you know, with the tight air money being freed up, uh, you guys are free to, you know, to spend and reinvest that money. It's not just money that you guys are going to pocket. So uh, we know that now that he's gone, you guys have Victor Wanyama. He's your only designated player on the roster. Is it fair to say that you're looking for another designated player heading into next season, whenever that is? Yeah, well, look, you know, the plan in 2021, we've communicated a little bit in the past. Uh, I think you guys can see what we're missing on the field mm-hmm. and where we're looking to improve. And, of course, the departures of Tyder and, um, you know, previously Bush as well frees up some cap space. And, you know, we'll have to get creative a little bit with the cap space, but it definitely provides more flexibility. So, you know, with the freed up money, like the slot and, and the money that's there, you know, of course we're looking for uh, younger players you with a high potential, eager to come here and excel in MLS. Um, and, of course, with a mix of a couple of veterans to help lead the way. But the real investments will be made in the younger guys, and we're looking at you know, one or two younger guys to come in next season. Um, you, know, not, you know, there's the time level players, which are similar to DPs, depending on which teams you're looking at. But, you know, a little bit of higher investment players, Tom, DPs, um, since we've got that slot available. And we've got a few names down on, on our papers and what we're looking at. So we'll, um, we've already been speaking. I mean, we're always working on it, right? So it's a constant process. You, know, you hit on guys, you miss on guys. Um, it's definitely a long process. And, um, you know, we've been speaking to a lot of guys and hopefully – uh, get some done before the well. Get some done. We will get some done before the 2021 uh, season. You want to run some of the names by me? I'll give you my opinion on them. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday sports on TSN 690. Impact Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremenzidis joining us on the show. Um, all right, I got a couple more for you before we let you go. Uh, so you're talking about young players. You're talking about DPS for next season. Can you maybe just explain to the Impact fan or the soccer fan listening the difference between a young designated player and just a regular designated player would be what, according to uh, MLS CBA rules? Yeah, it's it's more or less just a cap hit. So a normal designated player takes twelve and a half percent of the salary cap. Um, in monetary terms, that's six hundred and twelve thousand five hundred. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so for simplicity, we'll say six hundred thousand right. for a normal DP on the cap, and then a young DP at the you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. All at those ages, will only hit the cap between one fifty and two hundred, depending on which category he falls. So it's a bit, it's beneficial for the team to get them. Um, you know, obviously, it'll save you about four hundred, four hundred fifty thousand on the cap. At the same time, that money is a budgeted expense. Um, you know, ownership money. So the difference, basically, um, from what's not on the cap. So. That's one of the main differences, and um, you know, uh, I mean, there's not too too many differences other than the age and the money uh, on the cap. All right. Uh, so yesterday, I believe it was, or a couple days ago, uh, our very own Tony Marinaro reported that the CONCACAF Champions League, they were looking to resume uh, this year's run, potentially the third week of December. And yesterday, uh, Sam Piet, your midfielder, was asked about it, and this is what he had to say in French. Ouais, évidemment, c'est pas une, une, une rumeur qui fait l'unanimité dans le, dans le groupe de savoir que c'est possible qu'on qu qu puisse jouer au mois de décembre. Euh, J'ai vu la rumeur que c'était peut-être la troisième semaine de décembre, ce qui, ce qui nous amène à Noël. Évidemment, c'est pas quelque chose à quoi on est, on est habitué. Puis, il y a, y, a, y a le facteur aussi que, que bon, euh, je suppose que ces matchs-là de, de Ligue des champions ne seront pas joués à Montréal, au Canada. Donc, euh, évidemment, après ça, une autre, une autre quarantaine de 14 jours. Ce qui nous amènerait à passer Noël, jour de l'an en quarantaine, seul. Évidemment, personne, personne veut ça, personne n'est content. So basically, Piet saying they're not happy if it's just a rumor at this point. But if they do have to come back and play third week of December, uh, they wouldn't be thrilled with that. Just your reaction to uh, to those reports and to what Sam had to say. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into it before then. I think for us, we've always wanted to finish the Concacaf Champions League this year. Um, you know, we're having a good run. I know the last game against Olympia didn't go our way, but uh, we felt confident going into the next one. And then, you know, unfortunately, the world went into a pandemic at that point. But, you know, moving forward, um, you know, we're not 100% sure when the dates are. We've been speaking with the league. We've been, uh, they've been speaking with CONCACAF. And, um, you know, MLS, La Liga, MX are all trying to figure out which dates would be best. And there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. I mean, even internally, we've been speaking, and Sam touched upon some of those. Uh, we don't know what the you know Canadian border and the quarantine rules will look like then, so it's difficult to speculate. But mm -hmm. in terms of uh, you know, it's the idea is to get those games done. If it's during that period, it's during that period, and hopefully there'll be some kind of exemption uh, for the guys when they return, since it'll be you know they'll they'll have already and as 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 they are right now, right? They're mm -hmm. pretty much. Uh, um, testing mode every two days and you know staying healthy from the COVID virus and everything. So hopefully we can figure all that out. But again, there's a lot of hurdles to go through before we you know get to a final conclusion on what's going on with the Concacaf Champions League. Do you have an update on Clément Diop? I know he went home. He missed the last game. Went home to France for personal reasons. Like how how quickly is he going to be back with the group? Um, if I'm not mistaken, he has uh, returned to New York to New Jersey. Sorry. Um, and he's not uh, obviously not available for tonight, and we just got to check with our medical team uh, when she passes all the protocols when he would be available again to play. And what do you think of Pantemis? Uh, James, you know, in my opinion, James had a good first game. You know, I think he might have had a few nerves in the opening minutes, but I thought he was pretty solid. You know, he was good with his feet and made some nice saves. He had some good decisions, so. You know, if I'm not mistaken, too, I think he was named man of the match for us. And, um, you know, as we said in the previous weeks, you know, with the departure of Evan Bush, we had said that we had confidence in the three keepers we have. So it was positive for us to see that. I know it was a small sample size, but, you know, still positive. 
And, um, you know, on my side, I've seen James for a few years now. Uh, first time I was with the Montreal Impact from 2013 to 2015, uh, he trained with us several times. Um, you know, obviously as a much younger player before he was even pro. And it was quite impressive at that age to do what he was doing with the pros. So, you know, it's nice to see our homegrown players getting an opportunity and minutes with the first team. Uh, a bit of a hindsight question for you then, and, and this one might be tough for you to answer, but had you known that Diop was going to go to France, would you guys have still traded Evan Bush to Vancouver? Yeah, I don't think that anything had anything to do with it. Uh, you know, like I said, we're confident in our three keepers. Uh, the trade of Evan Bush was, you know, as you had mentioned before, we had spoken with him and he was in agreement to, to do so. Um, and, of course, it frees up a lot of cap space for 2021 and the plans and the players that we want to bring uh, for next season. All right, Vasily, it's always fun, man. Thanks for joining the show. And I think that puts you uh, back in the lead for most appearances on the show now that you're up to three. So you're the uh, franchise all-time leader. And uh, we always appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on with us, man. I appreciate it, Joey, but you're not going to let me tell the listeners what happened last weekend. Uh, I'm sorry? You, you want me to let, let the listeners know what happened last weekend? Sure. Uh, the, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Please go ahead. Time. Please. Go ahead. Well, look at for, for as many people that don't know, you and I play in the same fantasy league, right? Yes. Same fantasy football. Yeah. We're talking about the NFL here, right? So, mm-hmm. listen, I respect your fantasy football game. You are the defending champ of our league, and I think you've won multiple times, maybe even back-to-back. Uh-huh. But I think it's a small victory, and last week you went from 4-0 to 4-1 in a loss to me. So, yeah. um Again, respect your game, but it's always fun to, to beat you in fantasy football. I'm so, Vasily, I got to know who was your uh, who was your star performer who uh, slayed the dragon that is Giuseppe <laughs> Alfieri. <laughs> Actually, I had a good team uh, all around last week, and Joey's team underperformed. Joey's got the best team in the league, but oh, I don't know about uh, that. He, he, he does. He's got a good team, and uh, you know, but we, we we like bothering each other. He's got a couple mm-hmm. players, and I've been trying to trade with him for a little while but uh no it's good to get those small victories in fantasy football do i, do I look like minnesota united to to you like i'm not trading you cam newton man it's not happening i know you're a patriots fan but it's not happening you gotta let it go i've already let it go you saw i made a trade yesterday oh i didn't see that but that's right, fine well- there you go. That's good. Vasily, thanks for doing this. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, just I'm, I'm happy to know that uh, I'm your Super Bowl, that uh, that's that's the the game you have circled <laughs> on your calendar. All the best against Miami tonight and all the best going forward, all right? Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be on. Thanks. That's Vasily Krevenzidis, who, uh, yes, did beat me in fantasy football last week. It's, it's a big open league, and uh, we happen to be in the same league. And, hey man, uh, don't worry about it. Everyone has an off week. I mean, the week before, I won my uh, mm-hmm. I won my league. I'm uh, I'm not in a fantasy football league. I'm in a survivor pool. Yeah, and uh, I won my league, which uh, netted me a cool little chunk of cash. And then uh, the week after, I was the third worst. So uh, the ebbs and flows of the fantasy football realm. Yeah, uh, yeah I was four and zero going into happens. last week. Yeah, I was four and zero going into last week, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think listeners care about my fantasy football team to be honest with you uh but uh, yes i'm uh, i'm a big time fantasy football player it's the only form of uh gambling that i do and it's really i don't even do it for the money i'd do it if it was free but i'm in three fantasy leagues that's it i don't bet on individual games i don't i don't gamble i don't do anything like that it's only fantasy football for me i do it just to uh get my money back the <laughs> No, honestly, I, 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 we, we get cash back if you win the week, and right. I'm like, if I win my money back, that's a plus for me. I'm good. I don't care. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple. I mean, Josh Burke is going to join us, formerly of the Alouettes, formerly of the Green Bay Packers. And speaking of the Packers, uh, that's a huge. That's the game that I have circled on my calendar uh, this week. John is the uh, Packers 
at Tampa Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. This is the third time I think they're going to go head to head as starters. Uh, there was another. There was a couple of games where I think the first time the Packers and Patriots met with Tom Brady as a starter, Aaron Rodgers was a backup, uh, and then he came in in the second half. I think Brett Favre got hurt. Then Aaron Rodgers has been really durable, but he did miss a game against the Patriots. Want to say that was prime time. He had a concussion. He didn't play, but he's one and one. He and Tom Brady have split the matchups. That's the one I have circled on my calendar. I think Tom Brady, again, I don't even want to get into this GOAT talk because I'm not going to change anybody's mind. And I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But I think Aaron Rodgers, for right now, and I know Patrick Mahomes is, is nipping at the heels, but I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback of all time. Just the way he's able to extend plays. He can take off a little bit too, but the arm strength, the accuracy, the throws he can make. I don't know that we'd seen that uh, before Patrick Mahomes arrived a couple years ago. And now the question that I'm kind of thinking of is, look, the Packers are a great team. I think they're a Super Bowl contender this year. But what happens if Aaron Rodgers, when it's all said and done, only has one Super Bowl to show for a brilliant career? I mean, it doesn't re- reflect um, greatly on on his career, but at the same time, like I'm looking at that, and in my mind, like that's a swing and a miss by the Green Bay Packers and the front office out there. I mean, we know that they they have a, they don't want to invest high draft picks and weapons for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they took their backup quarterback this year, Jordan Love, in the first round. They took uh, AJ Dillon who's now their third running back in the second round. So they didn't really give him that much help. And still, he's got 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. The Bucks secondary's banged up. Devontae Adams is back. I'm circling that matchup because that's the one I'm going to watch the most you know, attentively. But I expect the Packers to roll the, the Buccaneers. I don't think this one's going to even be close. I think it'll be high scoring, but I think the Packers win by more than a score. Yeah, uh, the line uh, earlier in the week was uh, two and a half in favor oh, really? of the Packers, and I definitely took that. Yeah, uh, return of Devontae Adams, I'm with you. Uh, if I could use a baseball analogy, mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever seen Robert Redford, the natural, uh, that's that's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the most naturally talented quarterback I've ever seen. He can throw the ball 70 yards with a flick of the wrist. He can also run the ball outside. He's an unbelievable athlete. And they've yeah. been missing guys. Devontae Adams has been out. They've been missing everybody. Alan Lazard's been out. They've done it with a it's really been strong Valdez, running game. Scantling it's and crazy. Uh, the tight oh, end. man, who was that tight end yeah. who had like three touchdowns two weeks ago? Exactly. So, yeah, we've already forgotten. Exactly. His name. But yeah, that's the point is that the the Packers uh with Aaron Rodgers, um, to your point about him being let down by the organization, a hundred percent throughout the last three years of Mike McCarthy's tenure was an absolute disaster. And uh, hopefully, the run game now with uh, Aaron Jones and then play action for Aaron Rodgers, it looks pretty damn unstoppable week to week. Yeah, it looks really good. Speaking of Rodgers and the Packers, one of his former teammates and a former Montreal Alouette great, Josh Burke, will tell us his best Aaron Rodgers story. I'm Saturday. I'm, I'm Saturday. I'm Joey Alfieri. This is Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. Join the social sports conversation. Follow TSN 690 on Facebook. Click on Facebook.com slash TSN 690 Montreal. Gets to go from the doghouse to being a hero and he's missed, but there are markers down. Penalty markers down all over the field. 
substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Oh, my. That's a 10-yard penalty. We'll repeat first down. Duval gets a second chance from 33 yards out to win the 97th Grey Cup. Ball down. Ball through. And the Montreal Alouettes have come all the way back. And they are the 2009 Grey Cup champions. 11 years ago next month. I can't believe that that 11 years has gone by uh, since that happened. 2009 Grey Cup. Alouettes beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, joining us now, he was on that team. It's on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. He's a two-time Grey Cup champ. He's the uh, outstanding offensive lineman in the CFL in 2011 and a two-time CFL All-Star, Josh Burke. Josh, what's going on, man? Not much, Joey. Just uh, enjoying a walk with my wife on this brisk Saturday morning. <laughs> enjoying life, man. Enjoying retired life. Yeah, I see that. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, Josh was a, a TSN 690 employee. Very briefly, he and I co-hosted a radio show called uh, In the Trenches. And uh, before I forget, Berkey, I crossed paths with uh, the guy who does the morning shift here on the weekends, Dave Trentadue, and he wanted to uh, he wanted to wish you well. And I think he's in the car listening right now. So uh, Trentadue says, "What's up?" Oh, Big Dave, man. Yeah, he was. Uh He's the one that kept us on the air, man. He was awesome. Barely. I miss, I miss a lot of people from Montreal, so I don't get back too often. So I miss all you guys, man. But ha- happy to, you know, kind of uh, dust off the old cobwebs here, the old radio show back in the day, and hop on with you this morning. Fired up. Well, Trent and Dewey and I were talking, and we kind of feel like we feel like proud parents now because, you know, I feel like we helped raise you. You know, we, we gave you your wings. You went home. You got married. You have your ex- you guys are expecting. Like, I've, I've, I feel like we almost raised you. <laughs> well, it might be the other way around. However, you did get married before me. So you did settle down before me. But, uh, no, life is good, man. Life is good. You know, obviously, uh, you know, playing in the CFL, living that kind of football lifestyle. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, but wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, mm. met the met the woman of my dreams at the right time, and like you said, we've got a little one on the way in a couple months. Mm. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, life is good, man. Life is good. Yeah, man. You had don't a big worry about. Yeah, don't have to worry about waking up in the morning with uh, you know, with a sore knee or back <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, you had a big birthday yesterday, eh? Forty-eight. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> You're about 10 years off. I uh, turned 38, so I am getting old. That is true. Yeah. But uh, don't don't age me more than I That's am. That's fine. All right. It's Josh Burke, uh, former Green Bay Packer, former Montreal Alouette, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. So uh, we heard that uh, 2009 Great Cup clip, and I've seen that play probably about a, a thousand times, and I just only today noticed that you got tripped on that play, and I don't even think you saw the ball go through the uprights. You know, I, the, fir- the first play, I saw the flag. The yeah. second play, I think I went down. So, I don't know, not much athleticism uh, for myself on that play. But I, I kind of, as I was going down, I was like, you know, heading back and your head's like looking at the stars and all of a sudden you hit the ground. But as I was looking up, I saw the ball, the trajectory of the ball, and I saw that it was looking good. But uh, I wasn't 100% sure until I heard people around me start celebrating and then obviously I got up, threw my helmet, and uh, and realized that we had won the won the Grey Cup, which is obviously a tremendous experience. So I don't think we would have recovered. We would have lost that one. I'm not sure we would have uh, been able to recover losing two in a row. So um, one is still one of the craziest uh, Grey Cup moments of all time. 
one of the one of the craziest games. Uh, and fortunately for us, we were on the on the good side of it. What's going on in the background there? What's that? What's that sound? What's that? What the Sorry? sound? There's like a there's like a cuckoo cuckoo going on in the background. Well, I told you I'm on a walk with my wife, so we're in town here and uh, you know, we're getting ready for Halloween. So there's uh, a lot of weirdos on the street. <laughs> okay, Berkey, there's the funny thing is like when people see that clip, like they see the Duval second chance, right? They forget about the drive that got you guys there and the comeback, even in the last like 10 minutes of the fourth quarter, that was like peak AC, like I think that's the highlight of AC's brilliant career. Like, what do you remember about that drive? You know, Bratton muffed the punt. You guys end up having to recover it, but like 20 yards further than you would have. And then the ensuing drive to get into field goal range. I mean, just what do you remember about that whole fourth quarter? Well, the fourth quarter was probably one of the craziest, uh, the craziest portions of my career, I would say. I mean, looking up at the clock, I believe, uh, I haven't watched that game in a while, but I believe there was like maybe seven minutes and change yeah. left. And we were down about, I think we were down 16. So, you know, we get the ball back, we go, we march down, we score. Um, I believe we get the two point conversion. I think it was to Ben Cahoon, I believe. Don't quote yeah, me on that. It was. We down eight. It was. Yeah. And then we, and then we get the ball back again, march down, we score again, and we miss the two point, which should have been pass interference. I don't know what, uh, what the refs were looking at on that one. And uh, just get just having a chance, like looking up with seven minutes, seven minutes, fifty seconds ago, whatever it was, you know, there was our sideline was pretty quiet, but we always knew that you know if we got AC, as long as we have AC, we got a chance, right? It's like it's like Brett Favre, John Elway, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, now all those greats, if they have the ball in their hands with a chance to win the game, you always have a shot. So we never gave up hope. And, you know, in the CFL, the last three minutes of the game, mm. you know, it's like an eternity. So we knew there was always a chance. Obviously, that last drive, getting in the field goal range, um, you know, I don't, I don't remember a ton about that drive. It was kind of like I blacked out. But, uh, you know, just AC, what a, what a tremendous player, what a tremendous competitor. And uh, it's certainly without him and his poise during those three last drives, I don't think we would have had an opportunity to win. So it was an awesome, awesome, awesome feeling. Can you just tell us, like, take us behind the scenes, just in terms of not not necessarily for that game, but just during your time in Montreal, like the level of preparedness that AC, you know, always seemed to have. Like, just can you take us behind the scenes, like how prepared was AC for all for any scenario that other teams threw at him? Honestly, Joey, I've played with with a lot of great players throughout the years, and uh, I mean, quarterback's one of those positions where um, you need to know what's going on with everyone around you in their position. You don't just know the quarterback position; you know what the O line's supposed to do in protection. You know what the what the obviously what routes the receivers are supposed to run. Whether they, you audible to a different play and you check to a different route, or it's a sight adjustment, sight adjustment. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to playing quarterback. I, I, I know I can do it. I wouldn't be smart enough to, to play that position. Um, AC, I can honestly tell you, um, and I played in the NFL for a year. Um, you know, I played uh, with Ricky Ray. I played with a lot of a lot of great players at quarterback, and I can I can honestly tell you, nobody works harder than AC. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he took some lumps early in his career. Um, he had a reputation of uh, you know enjoy, enjoying the nightlife. And I think he's, you know, he met his wife. Alexi obviously settled down, had a couple kids. And uh, I think that really put things into perspective for him. And, I mean, he's there at 5 in the morning, day in, day out, last one to leave, first one there. And uh, just his level of preparedness and, he, and, the, and the fact that he holds people accountable. You know, if you, if, even if, it doesn't matter if you were a first-year player or someone like myself, nine-year, if you screwed up a play, 
he was all over you about it. And, uh, you know, and, and someone has that type of clout, and I respected the hell out of what he did and how he prepared. Nobody was going to help prepare AC. That's for sure. He showed up uh, every day, every game, ready to go. And uh, that's why he's one of the all-time greats. He showed the up greatest. at he, not he, even all-time greats. He did it. Okay, but he showed up at five. You showed up at what time? Were you walking through the door? I sh- I strolled in. You know, meet- team meeting about nine o'clock. I showed up around eight fifty-five. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was. I was. <laughs> no, always you're there not, early, Joey. I was always there. Early. Yeah, sure you were. He's Josh Burke, formerly of the uh, Montreal Alouettes and Green Bay Packers, and. And Toronto Argonauts, but we're not going to hold that against them. Joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Um, all right, you you mentioned the you know Calvillo certainly took off, uh, or he just kind of had that 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 career got a second wind under Mark Tressman. And I know in Montreal everyone looks fondly you know back at the Coach Tressman years, and rightfully so. You guys had a ton of success, but. You know, behind all that success was a man who was probably the most organized person I've ever interacted with. Like, can you just explain to us the Mark Tressman attention to detail and how crazy it was back in the day when you guys were firing on all cylinders? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's probably someone I would I would mention. You know, I just mentioned AC on his level of preparedness and all that type of stuff. But uh, Tressman, just from the game plans. Um, everything that he had going on. I mean, obviously just a, a tremendous offensive mind. So when you have the smarts, I think believe he's a lawyer by nature, right? So having that, that level of smartness combined with the work ethic and, and how he held coaches accountable. Um, you know, when we went in there, um, you know, what we used to call a day zero. So the day before the first practice of the week, we'd get our game plan for the week. So just, just to let you know, it would look totally different than the week before. You know, we had new plays drawn up. We had new protections. We had uh, all types, all types of different adjustments. It wasn't like we were running the same plays every week. It was almost like a brand new offense, week in and week out. And you don't do that if you're not prepared and you don't have the level of smartness that he had. So this is attention to detail. He knew if uh, Jamel Richardson ran a route where he was supposed to be at eight yards and he ran at nine yards, he knew, but he'd call him out on it, right? So he just, yeah. he just knew. It's so smart that it was just incredible, and and obviously, you know, without Mark Trustman, I don't think we win those mm-hmm. great cups. Behind behind the scenes, he also had some he also had some bite, uh, from what I understand. Uh, give me a tell me a story about the worst you ever got chewed out by uh, Trustman. Well, I'll try to keep the story pretty short. So uh, <laughs> pick, <laughs> pick one, pick one so, eh? I'll, I'll pick one. I'll pick one. <laughs> so it was one time uh, we had played a game on a Thursday night. We won the game. I had a bunch of my buddies in town. We went out that night. Obviously, I had a couple adult beverages. Went back to my condo, and we were with a bunch of people, you know, girls, guys, and we decided we wanted to go swimming. It was about 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there's a pool outside my condo, but it's to the, it belongs to the, the, the condo beside me, not mine exactly. So mm-hmm. all the girls, let's go swimming in the pool. I said, listen, guys, I don't have a key to get in there. So long story short, we ended up hopping the fence. So I helped everybody over. Everyone jumps in. I'm the last one to go over the fence, and I slipped on top of the fence. Actually, the fence stuck into my leg, Joey. True story. Stuck into my leg. Uh I had to go to the hospital. I had a big gaping hole in my thigh. I had to go to the hospital. spent the whole night in the emergency room. Got stitched up with about 10 stitches. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next morning, I get the call from Treston. And uh, what he asked me was, I'll never forget it. He goes, calls me up. He goes, Josh. He's like, was she worth it? (laughs) 
<laughs> I go, no, coach, she really wasn't, to be honest with you. But true story, the media never picked up on that. We never released all those details. And I played five days later on a short week. You're not, you never even... My, with stitches in my, with, and stitches in my uh, leg. Wow. You never even told me that story. This is the first time I heard that story. I don't tell too many people, so now it's out there now. Yeah, now no, it's just between you and I. Don't worry about it. Josh Burke joining yeah. us on Saturday Sports on DSN 690. Uh, you mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and those guys before. You spent 2006 in Green Bay, and uh, I think that was, what, was that Aaron's second year? there i i want to say i feel like he was a 2015 uh, 2005 uh draft pick how tight were you and rogers back in the day we were uh we were really tight man he uh his second year uh was my first year so i was a rookie in mm-hmm. uh, 2006 and he was second year player and obviously you know he was studying studying behind brett Favre. so him and i hung out a lot man we talked a lot about you know football life um he's kind of a free spirit you know being from california and stuff like that so uh, back then, he wasn't what he is now, obviously. You know, he hadn't taken over the, as a starting quarterback. He wasn't a Super Bowl champ. He was just a young punk like myself trying to come up and, and you know, prove himself, right? So uh, we would go out to the bars, have a good time, you know, hang out together. And nobody, obviously everybody knew who he was, but he didn't get the, the fame and the glory that he does now. So he was uh, he's a great guy. We've lost touch over the, over the years, but um, obviously he's still playing at a super high level and, He's an MVP candidate, so great guy, awesome personality, and uh, I'm not shocked that he went on to be the player that he is. Could you pick up the phone and, like, would you be able to call him, like, this afternoon? If I had his number, I would. Oh, so you don't, okay. He changed his number so many times. I called him about two years ago. Oh, really? A young lady lady picked up, and uh, I said, is Aaron around? And she goes, you're about the 15th person to call me today. He changed his number. This is the wrong number. <laughs> I'm sure she's probably changed her number now, too. So yeah, probably. I don't even have his contact information, to be honest with you, these days. Well, uh, you called him two years ago. What were you looking Like I asked you to get him on the show a couple of years ago, and you couldn't. You said you couldn't do it. Now you're calling him up two years ago? What the heck did you call him for? I think I was in Green Bay for the Monday Night Football game, uh, and I wanted, like, sideline passes or something like that. Yeah, how'd that work out? Not well. <laughs> I still went to the game. <laughs> Do you have a do you have a good Rogers story before we go? Uh, a good Rogers story. Um, let's see here. Well, there's this one time at uh, at practice. So we were we were in the huddle together, and uh, he called the play, and it was one of those plays where in, in football sometimes you you do a check with me, right? So it's one play, and then if he doesn't like the look, he checks it to another play. So you actually call two plays in the huddle. Right. He went to the line. He checked the play to the, to the audible, and I didn't even I, I couldn't remember what the play was. So I actually jumped off sides on purpose so I wouldn't look like an idiot. And uh, obviously, he chewed chewed my ass in the huddle uh, the next play, and so did McCarthy. So wasn't a wasn't a great way to start uh, start my practice. Didn't you day. didn't you have a ch- like a similar story with Favre too? Yeah, I did that a couple times. Jeez, <laughs> you really picked your spots, eh? That's it. Berkey, thanks for doing this, man. It was really nice to uh, nice to hear your voice and give my wife the best. All right, no, give my wife, give your wife the best. <laughs> what? Oh boy, Something that I was amazing. I don't know about here. Give your wife my best. 
Will do, buddy. Likewise. All right. Appreciate thank you having me on. Take thank care. you very much. It's Josh Burke, of uh, formerly of the Montreal Alouettes. Oh, that was boy. a glorious way to end that. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, also, yes. um, as someone who also, well, I didn't play nearly as high of a level of football yes. or hockey, oh. but uh, I totally understand the going offside or intentionally getting someone else to screw up a drill so as you do not look like the dum-dum. I 100% understand that. I, I get that 100%. Yeah, but you know, but the thing is is that he jumped offside himself. Exactly. So, But he... No, no, no. I've jumped offside in football. In hockey, you can't do that because you're all doing the well, drill. You can't. So in hockey, you have to go and you have to like stand beside... You have to stand behind like the first guy and you're like, okay, maybe he gets it right and then he blows it and then you're like, oh no, what am I supposed to do? In football, it's much easier because you can just right. go offside. Yes. Then again, I played receiver. There's nothing that makes a coach more upset than receivers either false starting or going offside. Yeah. So uh, you get chewed out regardless. Yeah, especially as a rookie. As a rookie Correct. offensive tackle Correct. in the NFL and you're just surrounded by uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, There's a lot of yelling in football. I love Brady. I know a lot of people know don't I know a lot of people know that, but there's even more yelling than you think there yeah. is. What a character though, eh? Like getting the stitches in his leg and Hey man, he played. At play, least he played. Having to cut through it because he was hopping a hopping a fence. I respect it. I respect it 100%. <laughs> I respect it too. It's just he's a great storyteller, funny guy, and I had a lot of success in Montreal and uh don't tell him this. But I miss having him around. This has been Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, John, it was uh, really a good time, man. And uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for pushing all the right buttons. And uh, maybe I'll see you next week. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Thanks to uh, Sean Tierney, uh, who joined us from the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs. He's their director of analytics, and he also has a website, chartinghockey.ca. Brought us the uh, analytics perspective on Montreal's offseason. Vasily Kremenzidis of the Montreal Impact, uh, who joined us to uh, break down the Saphir tight air uh, move, and uh, Josh Burke, who you just heard telling some stories about Anthony Calvillo, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. If you missed anything, uh, you can find it on the TSN 690 uh, podcast page at tsn690.ca. If you want to catch the whole show, uh, you can subscribe on uh, Apple Podcast or Google Play or SoundCloud, and uh, you'll be able to find the full two hours of the show. Have a great one, everybody. And a reminder, Impact Soccer back on TSN 690. Tonight, Montreal takes on Miami. Coverage beginning at 6.